Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. this episode of the Philly Boots Rugby Roundtable with me Sean Phelan. Each week I chat with a panel of players, coaches and volunteers who make our great game happen. Check out all the previous episodes in video and podcast form by visiting fybrugby.com. This week the discussion topic is on mental health and how rugby is playing a big part in tackling the stigma. Let's get on with the show. Hi everyone, uh, this is the sixth rugby roundtable that we've done so far and this is the first one that is sort of not necessarily about rugby all the way through. Uh, the first few weeks we've been talking about playing rugby during COVID and after COVID and funding and all that all that sort of stuff but this week is slightly more personal I guess. We're going to talk about mental health and the rugby community. Uh, and joining me today is Tom Home, the founder of Blokes, which is a, a new initiative which he'll talk about this afternoon. Uh, Alex Reader, a former uh, Wasps and Rotherham Titans, and Nick also uh, from Steins RFC. How are we, gentlemen? Good, mate. How are things with Yeah, yeah, I'm good. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, me too. Me too. I got a bit sunburned, but otherwise, it's all good. (laughs) (laughs) I'm olive skin, so literally, as soon as I walk outside, it's like very jealous. Very jealous. (laughs) Just get burnt. (laughs) I've been, I've been Um, on the plastic pictures at Ealing all all afternoon. Oh really? Oh really? Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. Chasing chasing doors. children. Yeah. So yeah. Nice. Nice. Um, if you want to put anything in the comments during this, uh, we'll read them out. Um, we'll answer any points that you put in there. Uh, evening, Andy. He's watched every one of these and downloaded every podcast. So hello, Andy. Hope you're well. Um, so yeah, let's let's start off by sort of. Um, why why did you guys want to be on this one? We'll start with Tom. Um, you know, why, why is m- mental health so important to you? Um, I think it's it's uh it's something that I've kind of always been affected by, but never really knew about it until I was probably diagnosed with it. I think I was diagnosed with uh, depression, anxiety, and PTSD November 2016. And, you know, not just because of when I was kind of diagnosed with it, but it completely just flipped my world upside down. You know, it was playing rugby for um, for the university I went to. You know, I was out with friends and, you know, pretty sociable guy. Um, and, yeah, all of a sudden I just completely shut down and cut myself off. I stacked on a load of weight. Um, which you can probably tell I'm still trying to shift. Um, and I think I just completely became isolated, paranoid, so hyper-anxious all the time. And, yeah, it just completely it just completely changed 
how I was living my day to day life. And I think, I think I've always kind of want, having been affected by it in the way I have been, I've always been really keen to kind of raise awareness around just how impactful it can be on your life. And I think, I suppose, you know, I'm very kind of passionate about mental health as a whole, but more importantly, I'm kind of, I, I, I lean more towards men's mental health. And I think, you know, as cliche as it sounds, you know, we don't talk about it um, because we think we can't, because we think we're going to be judged, because we think we're going to be looked at differently. And I get that because I've had that before where I was convinced that my friends were going to see me differently, my family were going to see me differently, all the people that I cared about would treat me differently. So that's, I suppose, in a way why I tried to deal with it myself because I wanted to save face and I, I wanted to see like everything was all right when obviously it wasn't. Um, and yeah, so I think ever since then, I've kind of always been passionate about helping other guys in particular open up about their mental health and just just ask for help, just be honest, because at the end of the day, to speak isn't weak. It's, it's you know, it's something that everybody needs to do and everybody, you know, everybody needs to deal with it in their own way. But I think for me, speaking about my mental health has helped me manage it, get it under control. Um, so, yeah, I've always been sort of keen to, to encourage others to do the same. That's great, Tom. That really is great. Uh, Nick, you, you were telling us off air that mental health is something you really sort of should know about uh, helping everybody. And how do you go about Well, I mean, so my, my story is a little bit different to Tom's, but there are lots and lots of similarities. So I, um, I am married to a clinical depressive. Um, I love her to bits. Um, she takes pills every morning to get her through. Um, that's something she's inherited from her father and and is is something that runs in in their family so um i think it's really important that we that we make it make it clear there are lots of different kinds of of mental health issues and they're they're all massively important and we all need to talk about them all the time um my my battles i guess with with mental health started same lady involved in the story i guess um she and i split up uh 10 years ago and I found myself spiraling downwards and downwards. Um, I had to move. So I left the rugby club where I'd been playing and didn't really know what to do. Went along to another rugby club and the game had been canceled. Nobody told me I'd kind of disappeared into a bit of a pit. Um, and it, and it was, it was getting pretty dicey. Um, looking back at it, I went along the next week, after a friend of mine had said, for God's sake, just give them a chance. Of course, they didn't tell you. They don't have your number. Um, went along the next week, played one of the best games of my career um, and and couldn't play the following week and got five, maybe six messages from guys I'd met once saying, oh, mate, how are you? Where are you? Why aren't you here? Um, and and I, I tell people that that those those rugby players that I hardly knew at the time probably saved my life. And I... I don't think that that's over-egging the pudding. Um, I, I genuinely think they do. I spent five amazing years playing at Rams with those guys. If I could still be playing at a good enough level and hadn't got into coaching and, and rugby director, I would still be playing at Rams because at, at the end of the day, that's the club where my heart is as a result of 
of those guys. So A, I think that that that's really important the the support that we get. Um, I'm I've been diagnosed uh, like Tom with anxiety with depression um, as a result of what my wife and I went through. I think, um, and and I've always I've always struggled a little bit that people look at me and say, "Oh, you're a big tough rugby player." You know, what what do you mean you you wake up at three o'clock in the morning and sit on the loo in tears or feel sick or whatever because you don't want to do the session or go to the meeting that the next morning you you know you're a big tough guy um so i think that that's that's something that that rugby needs to to sort out i'm i'm aware that i'm rambling a little bit but um hopefully i'm getting to the point um so yeah i just i just really i'm really passionate that rugby clubs are safe places and we talk about them as safe places and we're everybody is keen for them to be safe places but a lot of stuff that goes on at rugby clubs stops them being safe places um and and maybe i'll touch on that a little bit later but yeah that's that's my story really that's why i was really keen to talk about about mental health issues um there was a um a, a young man took his own life beginning of july um he had been a high wickham player and an ealing player both clubs that i'm very closely involved in um and i just i got really really angry about it because i just thought somebody's somewhere the world has let this young man down somehow i don't know how i don't i hardly knew the guy um and i just i thought do you know what my my goal now is newly appointed dor at stains as um one of the community team at ealing as a bloke as a rugby player whatever whatever label you put on me my my goal is to make sure that happens to as few other young men as possible there you go that's me wow yeah thanks 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 for sharing that nick uh alex uh you recently retired from wasps after sort of a series of injuries, do you want to uh, tell us through sort of that process and, and uh, why why sort of coming on today was important to you? Yeah, so um, you know, look, I've been very privileged throughout my life. I was lucky enough to go to one of the top boarding schools of the country. Obviously, as you know, the son of quite a well-off family, so I never had to worry about anything for a long period of my life. Uh, and so I went into professional sport and it was, you know, luckily I was always doing well. I was always, you know, performing well and things like that. And things were great. And had my dream move to Wasps when I was 21. You know, like that's everything I'd worked towards and uh, worked hard for the first couple of years and then finally became first choice six. I was told that, uh, look, you, you know, you're first choice six. I was thinking that Wasps, like, who knows my career can go from here this is great I, everything i've worked towards and uh third game in i just get my shoulder and i never had an injury really before i was always quite robust and uh just get my shoulder and so in my head i was like look this is what it is i, I can move on from this um and so i had uh, two operations on that because of the severity of it because i tore my whole rotator it was dislocated it, it was a, quite a mess and uh anyway i returned five and a half months later and that was less than what was predicted so i was like right everything's great and uh first game back was against extra chiefs and came on the field 
a couple of tackles, thought, right, everything's great, shoulder feels good, right, let's just crack on. And then got the ball, made a line break, I beat three defenders, threw uh, one-on-one with the full-back, went to step, got a tackle from the side and dislocated my whole knee, <laughs> which is pretty extreme. Um, and sort of on the my parents were there, uh, my partner, she's a doctor, and she was doing a thing called an elective where you'd spend... Uh, two months abroad or whatever and so she was in Zanzibar at the time so she was away so I was with my uh, just my mum and dad and when the ambulance goes to the hospital they're calling ahead saying there's a chance we might uh, amputate this guy's leg you know we're going in for emergency surgery and uh, uh, you know I woke up that morning thinking right everything's fine I'm going to get back to normal and then less than 12 hours later I was being told I'd be lucky if I walk again. So, you know, it it hit me how quickly life can change. And for someone that never really dealt with much adversity, I was very privileged, I was very lucky. And suddenly to have all this adversity almost in one go, I didn't really know how to deal with it. And uh, as everyone's touched on, really, I think there's always that bit of a stigma with, with men and talking about things. And for me, it was always a bit like, you know what, when, when I'm feeling down, it was always... Oh, is it a flash in the pan? I'm not, you know, it, it, I, I don't want to burden anyone. And that was always the feeling. Like if you're ever struggling about selection and things like that, it was never, I don't want to burden anyone. I just want to, if I'm chatting to someone, I'd rather just chat about sort of not insignificant things and just take my mind off it. And so actually when I had all this adversity that I couldn't escape from, I was really trapped and you, you just left. And I had all my family and friends and everyone gathered around me. You know, you've got all these, you know, you've got people like Cipriani Haskell calling you, asking how you're doing, like these big stars taking their time out to see how you are. And on paper, you should think, geez, I've got family, friends, I've got a huge foundation. But actually, the sort of paradox of, of it is that you push a lot of people away. And what I ended up doing was doing the opposite to a rugby player. So I was eating dreadfully. I was doing everything the opposite to what a rugby player should be because in my head, I just wanted to escape from reality almost. And I was pushing everyone away from me because I didn't want to be almost associated with it because when I'm associated with it, then I have to accept the reality of this new this new normality. And, and it was really a tough period. And I really let myself down. I, I, I put on a load of weight. I really didn't work hard enough at the start. I felt a lot of sympathy myself and uh, with those moments I can look back now and say you know I wish I could shake myself but when you're in those moments it's a real tough period but thankfully people were patient with me and gave me the opportunity to work through it and I think that's always a thing that you need to balance sort of going through pain and going through suffering and going through it in almost your own time because it's one of those like a bereavement a lot of the times like you've lost something and to an extent you need time to grieve but equally if you're left to your own devices to grieve on your own i think actually it, it can spiral out of control and that's unfortunate what happened with me and and looking back now and the reason why i want to come on you know long story short why i want to come on is to speak about why it's so important to not only speak out but then family and friends it's all right to press a situation, ask you and push and try and support you because I personally, I mean, there's no set template for mental health. You know, everyone deals with things differently. Whatever my story is might not correlate to someone else, but it might someone to another person. But for me, I think it's important that 
you know that when you're in trouble, that there are people around you, whether or not you want to know it or acknowledge it or whatever, it's important that you you do get guided because I was on the floor. I was, I was, I was you know, proverbially on canvas. I didn't know how to get up. And if I was left without anyone, I don't know where I would have got to. You know, I was having dreadful thoughts of life and everything like that. And actually, it, it did take a bit of, uh, you know, a bit of, look, you need to move on from here. We can do it. You can get through it to really move me forward. And it was setting sorts of goals and things like that that really supported me. And that sort of balance that it's understanding that life is tough. and Everyone's going to have struggles, but it's knowing that, it's okay to speak out. But then also, if you know someone's having troubles, for me, I think it's important that you're not forceful, but that you are sort of, you're not standoffish. I think it's important that you are you are very much over-egging it almost and being like, look, let's talk, let's go for this meal, let's do it, let's do it, let's do it, to the point that eventually they'll do it. They'll go out for a meal, they'll talk, they'll open up. And the release from those moments, I think, are huge. And that's that's the main thing that you speak on. I've done a lot of these podcasts, I've done a lot of conversations on radios and everything. And always the main thing is that these mediums, they might reach out to people that I would never reach out to normally. And as long as I can have one or two people, well, at the end of the day, that's a great feeling to have. And I think that that's, that's the thing. Everyone just needs to be honest and speak about things. And when you see anyone, whether or not they're your best friend or someone you just met on the street, if you see someone struggling, you should speak to them, regardless if they even want to hear it, because I think it's important that they know it. As I said, it's a very, it's a very weird scenario you're in because you push these people away who care about you, but it's important that you just persevere and let, and just let them know you're there. And uh, you know, as I, I know, I can waffle as well, but I do think it's really important that all good people, all good people understand there's no template, but no matter what, just know that you've got a support group around you because life is very tough. You know, you'll go through one struggle, but another struggle will always come along, you know, like just quickly touching, like obviously lockdown from transition from a new, from my career in rugby to a new career in business. Obviously got stagnated and I got really far with a lot of interviews, a lot of conversations and that all got stuck and I really struggled. You know, I broke down a few times in, 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 in uh, lockdown and in my head i was like oh i, I did i dealt with this career-ending injury all these traumas surely i can deal with this but actually you, you can't pigeonhole what what a struggle is to someone what might be significant to one person might be hugely significant to another and it's about understanding that you can't judge someone based on how you would react to a situation all you can do is be there and be a rock in the foundation and make sure you support them and that's the important aspect and and I think that's why, again, these all these mediums are really important. So, yeah. Uh, thanks for that, Alex. That was, uh, I love the honesty. That was brilliant. Thank you. Um, Nick, you touched on it uh, a minute or so ago, but uh, how how has the rugby community sort of rallied around you sort of uh, previously and, and now? Well, I, I mean, like I said, when I when I first moved to Rams, the the guys there were, I, I, you can probably tell, I'm I'm a person that talks a lot, um, not always about the right things, but I um, that that first game I played for them, um, I got a lift up there with somebody, and I told him, and they they recognised me um, 
those of you that are watching this and I can actually see me will understand why they recognize me. Um, I, I played against them for years. Uh, so they were slightly surprised when I turned up and got into, into the car with them, but they started talking, you know, why have you moved from your previous club and what's going on? And, and I was open and upfront. I said, my wife and I have split up. I've moved to Reading. Um, here I am. Uh, so they said, so how are things? And I said, I'm struggling. Um, and we, we chatted and they were great, but it was, it was just kind of rugby chat. The, the following weekend, I couldn't play. I was down visiting my mum. And, and I got the messages from the guys that I'd been playing with. Where are you? Why aren't you here? Um, what's going on? Is everything all right? And, and that just made me rem remember that there are people out there that are that are really interested. And I've always, I've always had uh, had a sort of low self esteem thing, I think, and um, it used to manifest itself as arrogance as a kid. Um, and and I just was really surprised that people were interested in what I was doing and um, and and the support that they gave me through through the period when I was separated from my wife and when we got back together uh, and all of that and just in general after that they they kind of forgot that I was Nick the guy that turned up out of nowhere because he'd split up with his wife and I was just the uh, the slightly chubby hooker stroke tight head who. Um, wandered around a pitch every now and again and did his best but you know the the support that i got from those guys was was brilliant and i miss them um typical man we don't stay in touch very much but you know there it is from a from a director of rugby's point of view from a from a coach's point of view uh, however you you look at it maybe a a leader within the, the rugby club organization um I've I've seen there be situations where there's really really poor support over people that are struggling with their mental health. Um, I spoke to a director of rugby who I won't mention his name, but um, maybe I should name and shame him. But um, he was talking to me about a young man, and he said, "Oh, he's he's a bit he's a bit fragile, so you have to put an arm around him." And I just I looked at him, what, what do you mean? What, what do you mean he's, he's fragile? <laughs> um, and yeah, he, he couldn't, he couldn't um, enunciate better than, than to describe him as fragile. Uh, you know, if you met the guy, you wouldn't describe him as fragile. He was a unit, um, but, but clearly had his demons and, and needed support with them, not people kind of babying him and, and, and those, those kind of issues. And I, I think, the the director of rugby in question was probably trying to be supportive he was probably saying you know we need to need to look after this guy he's he's a talent but he was he was doing it in such a way as to say this is you know he he's not quite the full ticket um whereas if he had a ruptured knee ligament or a bad back or something like that he wouldn't have wouldn't have batted an eyelid about it he'd have said yeah he needs to we, we need to look after him because he's, you know, his knee's a bit dicey. And, and yeah, that's, that, that's the other end of the coin from the guys at, at Rams who, who rescued me, I guess. Um, and I, and I see lots of it. I move around rugby clubs. Like I said, I, I work for Ealing trail finders and I'm DOR here at Staines and I see lots of coaches um, and I see some that are amazingly supportive 
some that are trying to be supportive and some that really, really don't understand that they need to, I guess maybe life is different than it was when they were younger, you know, they're my age or older perhaps, and life is different, the stresses are different. So I, I just, yeah, my, like I say, my goal is to go out there and make sure that those guys know that their role is to is to be a support and that rugby clubs should be the safest places they can be. Um, I'd be, be interested, Alex, something you said. Um, I just wondered how much support, like proper support, WASPs gave you. You mentioned Haskin and Danny Sip and guys like that. But what about the, the club itself? Were they, were they supportive? Did they get you help when you needed it? So our... Um... Our club doctor, uh, Ralph Mitchell, he has a, uh, so he's a GP with specialisation in mental health. And he was a very kind Northern Irish lad, always could speak to him any hour of the day, always there, you know, sort of to lend a hand and things like that. And it was great. Um, but sometimes the problem I had, and unfortunately it always comes down to a lot of funding, is sometimes when it comes to, for example, playing fresh rugby, when it's your career 24-7, you know, you have to eat, sleep, breathe it, you get a knock, you sit at home. Sometimes you want to speak to someone outside of a club, you know, so for example, you want to speak to someone that might not be as affiliated with a club as, as, as they are, because then you can maybe, you know, sometimes you're worried about what you might say, where it could get back to equally. You worry that, maybe their perspective might be sort of from a certain perspective and it might not give you a rounded opinion. And there's a lot of stuff going on. And Ralph was absolutely amazing. He's, you know, still to this day, we speak and stuff like that. He's absolutely fantastic. But what I would have liked is for a psychologist or a psychiatrist or whatever, maybe that was just external to the club, that the club funded, but that it was external to, to speak to because... Sometimes you're speaking to people and it's so rugby orientated naturally. And sometimes you need a bit of grounding. You sometimes get in a bubble with sport or whatever. Another minute it could be, you could be stressed about, you know, sort of your family life, but you only speak to family. So how can you ever get another perspective? And sometimes it's good to get to speak to someone that's separated from that, from that, from that element so that you can understand actually maybe where you're at. And um you know, look, there's obviously a clear, huge amount of work that needs to go into sports, men, and especially towards men because of, with the stigma involved. But it, I think a lot of it does come from from the people around you to an extent, like the players. I know that, as I said, we didn't have a huge amount apart from Ralph. But for me, the main thing was actually just the players, which is a relief because they were good. But then on the flip side, it's because they'd been through a lot of struggles themselves. So... It, you're in a strange paradigm that everyone's struggling so everyone can bounce off each other but then no one's fully releasing that that those feelings because there's no one to speak to so you're sort of just bouncing off each other saying oh help i'll help i'll help we'll talk we'll talk but everyone's gone through a lot of struggles throughout all sports because of pressures from selection to whatever and there's no real escape so you can speak to each other and you and that's nice but it never really basically it never really solves the scenario you can speak and you can do it all and you feel a bit better, but it's sort of just like putting a, a plaster over a cut. It, it, it's not necessarily fixing it. It's just sort of covering over the cracks. And that unfortunately was the scenario a lot that 
you'd bounce off each other because everyone knows struggles in sport, but because we didn't have anyone specialised in it to actually properly give us, you know, sort of the, the tricks or whatever, or give us the ideas to really move past it, you're sort of papering over these cracks just consecutively and, and eventually it's all going to come unstuck, which it did, so... That's that's really Has interesting. Has there been anything um, sort of? Sorry, Nick. Alex, was there anything sort of post retirement that that wasps helped you with? Not, so wasps um, with your mental health, but but with with sort of your retirement in general. Uh, so well, mental. The thing with mental health is, as I said, there's no set template, and there's a sort of a lot goes into mental health for example it could be pressures about finances it could be pressures on and things can materialize and build up to antagonize you know a, a, a trivial situation and make things worse obviously retirement is stressful it's a huge change that already can antagonize the situation so then also you've got you know how i'm going to pay my mortgage how i'm going to pay all these things so wasp were actually really great and paid me the rest of my contract they gave me time they gave me physio they gave help they obviously paid my operation that i needed to finish all these things and so that really helped a lot from a mental health side because it takes away a lot of the pressures um but equally there is only so much money in the pots and yeah you know i think people have this misconception that there's an endless amount of money in professional rugby and there really isn't. And, you know, they need to, they, they unfortunately look towards where we can generate the most outcomes. Is it through a strength and conditioner who's going to get us strong or is it through a psychologist who's going to look at someone who's struggling? And a lot of the times they go towards sort of the physical performance aspect rather than the mental side. And I think actually it needs to be a balance, but, so with that, yeah, you know, from a mental side, I said Ralph was fantastic, our GP, who was speaking to me and doing all these things. Um, but outside of that, it, it it sort of, you know, I was basically, I retired, they looked after me financially, but that, that was really it. Uh, which is, you know, uh, I didn't expect more. There's only so much I can do, but it, as I said, the lockdown really, I did struggle with, so... Uh, it, it's, it's a scenario that everyone struggled with. So it's as I said, like it's not something that's just solely on me. So I can't have these big grudges. It's a scenario that no one saw coming. It's unprecedented. So wasps, you know, how how could I ever hold them to fault that they didn't protect me through my transition when no one knew this was coming? So they did as much as much as I could ever have hoped for. Though, so I was really happy with that. That's good. That's really good. Really good, Nick. You were about to. Sorry, I butted in. Yeah, I was. I was just just going to comment on what Alex was saying that you know they they weren't um, there. There wasn't a, a psychologist or a you know a, a mental health care professional other than than the, the GP. Um, and I was just thinking, well, they. I'm, I'm sure that the GP didn't deal with your your knee reconstruction and your shoulder reconstruction, mate. Did he? But um, it, it just seemed it seems interesting that. You know, even even at what should be the the sharp end of of these things, that that there's still still a, a lag. And and I've mentioned that I work work up at Trail Finders, and we've got a chaplain, 
up there smashing guy he's a local vicar um he's a welshman so he's probably loves his rugby um he gets tickets to the game and, and comes in and spends time with the with the players and i've actually taken that on board here at staines and we've got a chaplain here who has dealt with a number of issues that, that have cropped up with the the young guys eddie jones mentioned earlier in the the year i'm just trying to think which of the millions of podcasts and webinars it was that i've been watching while we've been in lockdown i think it was um jack Patton and john fish um and and he was asked how you deal with the mental health of players and he said you've got to leave it to the professionals i won't do the accent um and i i would i would challenge that and say that the coaches are the are the the guys that know the players best so yes having the professionals in in place having the the appropriate people there to to give the the correct support is is right but coaches are the people that know their players best and certainly grassroots rugby we we can't afford to have um you know mental health specialists on hand all the time but just having a chaplain and um chris our chaplain here he's he's not a uh, not a bible basher in any way shape or form um that wouldn't appeal to me but he is very supportive of the guys and um paul at, at trail finders is the same so yeah um i don't think there was any point to that i just me talking again no can i quickly no, interject fine, interestingly interestingly so with that it is that as you said at amateur level and this is a big thing you know across all elements of sport that sport provides that opportunity to, to sort of bond with people and therefore provide such a great opportunity to speak about things and and the thing is people you know when someone's struggling they they might not understand it themselves it could be a number of things especially an amateur level you've got a job at home you've got a family at home you've got you know you're, you're balancing all these things and it could be such a random sort of thing that's just set you off but the greatest thing that sport provides is it provides that brotherhood or companionship because you're emotionally connected to each other so that's why these clubs you know you need to really sit back and create a culture of communication both about the sport that you're in then also outside of it and that's why i've always been passionate about building relationships outside of just the paradigm you're in because actually you know, you could be part of a rugby club, but it could be based about God knows what. It could be anything. And having that opportunity just to rely on the mates around you is so important because, as I said, it could be a family thing. They could have had a newborn. Their partner could have postnatal depression. It could be anything. And it's just about saying, you know what, this is really affecting me. I'm, I really am struggling. But because you've got that emotional bond through sports, that is hard to... To, to get in any other aspect of life you know so with sport you you pay both physically and mentally into it i think it creates a connection between your teammates that is hard to 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 compare to any other aspect i think with that you need to use that as a tool in order to to really support each other when, when there's a real issue at hand and as you said there's not enough money for a psychiatrist to come into a lot of these amateur clubs you know they don't get paid they do it off their own back they could be working you know as a brickie for 10 hours of the day and then turn up to train in the evening and it might they just might be emotionally finished they might be exhausted but it's important that regardless of whether or not they have the experts or the psychiatrist there 
that they've got their mates around that are mature enough and man enough, so to say, that they'll say, you know what, you can speak. At the end of the day, we're not going to judge you. Geez, we've all been in a situation. Tell me what you have to say, and I'll see if I can help you. And I think that's what it sport ultimately should be about. It's about being a place that people can go and express themselves both on and off the field, both mentally and physically. Because fundamentally, why else? What else is there about sport? Absolutely, we're in a real privileged position to know know our teammates well enough that we can see when they're having a bad day or whether it's a longer than a bad day or whether they react weirdly to to something else um yeah you, you couldn't be more right mate absolutely thanks guys uh tom uh, let's talk about blokes uh what is it how, where did it start how did it start uh, and how did you get alex involved so uh i suppose really blokes is what it you know it does what it says on the tin um i think i've, I've kind of always wanted to start something around men's mental health i've never known a what to do because i don't you know there are you know there are thousands and thousands of of, of accounts and organizations brands whatever it may be that sort of bang the bang the men's mental health drum and you know the last thing you want to do is kind of add to the the, the the noise that doesn't really do anything or doesn't really solve anything or doesn't look to solve anything more importantly um so i think um i start you know blokes extremely extremely new was started sort of beginning of july um this year um and really it just it, it, you know a bit kind of what nick and i just spoke about about having that sort of brotherhood and that that um that community kind of feel um blokes for me uh i you know my kind of vision for for it and for where I want it to kind of inevitably go um, is just to become almost like a, a hub a hub for conversation a hub for interaction a hub for men to um, to know that you know they can speak about how they're feeling what's upsetting them what's getting down whether it be about a bad at work or they're behind on the bills or they've had an argument with with the missus or whatever it may be. I, for me, I, I wanted to. I wanted to start something that I know I would have benefited from when I was at my lowest. Um, you know, when I didn't want to talk to my girlfriend, um, I didn't want to talk to my mum and dad. I didn't want to talk to, to my friends because, again, it, it kind of all, all loops back that fear of being judged and that fear of being looked at differently. Um, whereas, you know, if I had had kind of this um safe haven this community to kind of to go to and to 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 speak to the to, you know to speak to to like-minded people who can completely empathize and understand you know what how i'm feeling. for me that would have that would have really kind of helped to have lifted the weight you know, it's that classic saying you know a problem shared is a problem halved and i do truly believe that because you know almost like alex touched on earlier you know when you when you do speak to somebody that that initial kind of just wave of relief and that wave of you know just euphoria that you've been able to just just be honest and just be like mate yeah i'm feeling bad i'm, I'm struggling i'm i'm really down um so yeah that's kind of where blokes came from um 
in terms of getting sort of Alex on board, I, I reached out to Alex because obviously being a massive rugby fan myself, um, obviously, you know, knowing Alex has opened up about his mental health before, um, you know, just did the classic Twitter, slid into his DMs. Uh, just, just had a uh, you know, you would be interested in sort of coming on board and you know wanting to kind of help, really just push out the message of who blokes is, what what we're trying to achieve, and I suppose how we're going to do it. And you know, as well as Alex, you know, we've I've been incredibly lucky to to have also brought on board um, Tom Lindsay, um, Dan Mudford, um, you know. Also, a couple more sort of ambassadors in, in, in the pipeline to be announced over the next couple of weeks. Um, but also, just the amount of, you know, I don't want to say just guys, but the amount of, you know, men like men like me, you know, who you know aren't aren't professional athletes, aren't you know, you know, aren't in the public eye, who are just passionate about opening up that dialogue for, about men's mental health and just. Yeah, you know, just kind of wanting to to kick this taboo to the to the curb, you know, per se. And I've been incredibly lucky to have had some really amazing conversations with a lot of a lot of great guys over the last couple of weeks. Um, and yeah, to to be honest, I think what's next for, for well, what is immediately next for blokes is we've kind of got a um, a website being developed at the moment by a good friend over in the Isle of Man. Um, and yeah, hopefully that'll sort of, you know, that'll kind of act as, I hate using the word forum because, you know, it reminds me of like in the late 90s. Um, but yeah, it's going to kind of act as kind of like a, um, just an open, just just a blank canvas, an open page where every Tom, Dick and Harry can log on and just be like, yeah, I've had a bad day. I've had a terrible week at work. My boss is getting on my back. You know, I'm not, you know, I've got nothing to look forward to. Lockdowns get to me. Whatever it is, they can just jump on, jump onto blokes, just lay it all out, and then they they know they're going to be surrounded by a community of men who who understand what they're going through and want to support them, want to be there for them, want to to you know to pick them up off the floor when when they don't feel they can do it themselves. Um, so yeah, that that's kind of that's that's blokes sort of in a in a sort of a whirlwind tour in a bit of a nutshell. How can people get involved? So at the moment, uh, we're active on Twitter and Instagram. We're at underscore blokes. Um, and on there, we, you know, we, we, as I say, we've got a lot of great ambassadors like Alex, like like Tom and Dan, like, like you know, all the, other, all the other guys that are involved. Um, and we're really starting to build quite a nice community of, of guys who, who, you know, are passionate about, mental health whether or not they suffer it suffer from it themselves or no suffered or whatever it may be you know so i think it's always going to be there it's it, it's it's only going to grow we're going to grow as a community together and you know one of the, the first thing i i tweeted out on the account is something that i guarantee that i'll stick by which is that blokes won't be a run-of-the-mill men's mental health account we won't you know we won't bang the drum for six months and then slowly sort of peter off and tail off um because of how badly mental health has affected my life not just my life but my you know 
my mental health experiences have have also been incredibly hard for my family, for my friends who have stuck by me through thick and thin, and I'll never be able to repay them for that. Um, and yeah, I, 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 I um, yeah, it, it won't, it won't just be sort of a flash in the pan. I, we will do something about it, and we will, we will open up the conversation. Thanks, Tom. Thanks for that. Yeah, get involved, everybody. Why not? Uh, yeah, if we can tackle that stigma, then great. Uh, let two minutes left. So let's finish with what did come in in the in the realm of questions or points. Um, I don't want to keep you guys here too much longer, but so let's have a look. Uh, there are a few quite uh, quite a few top athletes who, for different reasons, suffered conditions of various mental health problems. So I can imagine the pyramid finishes in everyday life the RFU or sports federations or and indeed the government who for for cuts in care and specifically mental health over the years should do more. Uh, anyone want to chime in on that one? Well, just a, well, just a quick thing. It's, as I said, money is finite. And so ultimately it falls down into yeah. where they think money is has to be invested uh, for me i feel that you know when the mind's in the right place it can make a huge amount of difference but equally i think outside of necessarily huge financial burdens there are ways in which people can be supported emotionally and physically and i think that having an opportunity to to have dialogue understand each other and it, and it all boils down to building relationships with each other to so making sure the workplace, both in sports or, or you know, or, or just in a normal business and same environment, as long as that environment isn't toxic and that it's it's there's opportunities for people to speak their mind uh, and understand each other and the pressures that are going on. I think that's a, I think that would go further in supporting people because everything always boils down to that first initial dialogue about opening up about your struggles and making changes and I think if there are people who you can speak to and feel confident in speaking to I think if it can be done to have resources to employ a psychiatrist actually I think that's the next best step obviously I think money should be thrown at this but mental health is a it is a new thing and adversity is important people need to have struggles to some degree to know their strength and know that their ups and downs and adversity is a key aspect of of becoming a stronger person but there are ways in which we can facilitate and whether or not it needs to be the government funding loads i think so but ultimately i understand that there are financial burdens especially now i think the main thing that people need to do is create an opportunity in a space that conversation can be had without without sort of uh sort of stigma and uh, and sort of you know people frowning down on you whatever yeah definitely definitely yeah as you said there's no endless pot of money as much as we'd like to throw everything at it uh not not always possible uh we'll finish with this last point from uh emma let's bring this up on Dean. Do you think more social events, attendance of each other's games between men's and women's teams could aid or uh, provide more support 
curious to know if anyone would feel more comfortable opening up outside of their side slash team, but in the same. Obviously, we know mental health isn't gender exclusive, but men can find it harder because of the stigma. In short, can women's teams support men's better? Uh, Nick, uh, that's probably a good one for you. Uh, you Stains have got uh, Harlequins ladies down there. Uh, as well as as well as Staines' uh, men's teams, could, I, could that be something that? Um, I I think any anybody that you're comfortable talking to is is a, a great thing, and I know some men don't feel comfortable talking to women because we've you know we've we've been brought up in a in a macho show no show no fear sort of environment. Um, that's that's kind of hardwired into us equally some guys are more relaxed talking to the ladies about about that sort of thing because the 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 macho competition isn't isn't there i i think it's you know horses for courses isn't it um alex has said a couple of times rightly that that there isn't a a set agenda for for mental health if it works that's brilliant so the more people that are involved and the more people that are part of the the support network and the team the more different types of people the the better it's got to be yeah absolutely uh and i you know conscious of your time thank you for giving up your uh your evenings uh tonight um i think we're going to leave it there but that was uh, an incredible discussion and uh, opened my eyes to a lot of things uh, I suffered. But uh, it, to be honest, it was more, it was better to listen to you guys talk and, and hopefully everyone else at home uh, got to hear the real sort of stories and, and uh, sort of no holds barred sort of accounts of everything. Um, I really appreciate the fact that you all came on and, uh, and chatted tonight and yeah. Uh, just want to say thank you Tom, uh, Alex and Nick um, yeah I think we'll end it there uh, I don't really know what else to say to be honest but uh, yeah so uh, thank you guys uh, it's an absolute pleasure uh, for those who are watching thank you very much uh, next week we're going to be talking about grassroots rugby in Scotland uh, and then the week after it's the big one uh, we have a live Q&A session with Steve Granger uh, who's going to take everybody's Facebook questions of the return to rugby and the things that are going on at the RFU. Uh, I believe he's not done one of these before, so uh, that should be fun. Uh, again, Tom, Alex, Nick, thank you so much for uh, giving up your evening. Uh, enjoy your rest of the day. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Uh, and let's catch up soon and we'll do this again. Uh, Thanks, Sean. Thank you all for watching. And uh, yeah, we'll see you again. Cheers, thank you. Thanks a lot, Sean. See you all later. Yes, there will be a part right. two. Cheers, bro. Cheers. Thank you once again to Tom Hope, Alex Reader, and Nick also for speaking so openly about their struggles with mental health. Don't forget to join us on facebook.com slash fybrugby live every Thursday evening and get involved in the discussions. And for all the information on Freddy Boots, please visit fybrugby.com. I've been Sean Feeden and you've been listening to the Freddy Boots Rugby Roundtable.